Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Transcendence. I'm your host, DJ Smiley Mike, and with me in the studio tonight is... DJ Solitaire. Welcome back. Great to be back. Uh, It was depressing, though, when you told me that it's been a year. It's been just over, I think it's like a year and two weeks. Something crazy like that. I gotta say, like it felt like it had been a little while that I'd seen you because mm-hmm. I was thinking, hey, like we haven't like we haven't caught up in quite a while. I know, but it's still like that's isn't it? Isn't it hilarious though that we live in this age where we're so connected? We see what each other, you know, what we're up to, and we're in these group chats on Facebook, and we see each other's posts and so on. So we feel like we're in touch with people, and yet it seems harder than ever to get into the same physical space-time coordinates well and i'm not a person who like who i guess is hard on social media for because it doesn't like it's not real connections because i think when i look at it it has enabled me to stay in touch with people much much more and share what's going on in my life and follow what's going on in their life so i think that it's like been a a huge asset but it's still it doesn't like replace like the in-person stuff. It shouldn't replace. No, but but I think a lot of people are using it that way, and that's kind of ties in a little bit with what I wanted to say about you know in the parties, you know, which you know I'm I'm going through all these thought processes now processes now with looking at you know it's like I think 24 years since I first started going to parties in Tokyo. It was uh, the fall of '94. You know, when That's brave w- of you to do the math. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the math at Sunday on Sunday night at nine o'clock. But uh, you know, looking at just you know, at the time there was no social media. You, if you wanted to meet people, you went and you met people, or you spoke on the phone. You know, phones were used for talking. But um, but you know, that was also one of the things. One of the things that I think made the events really alive back then was the fact that if you wanted to go hear the music, you wanted to go have this experience, you went to the parties. You didn't listen to stay at home and listen to a mix online, because there was no online. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the mixes weren't available. A few DJs circulated cassettes, but very, very little. And those were really just a teaser, and people knew if they wanted to experience something, they had to go to an event. And I'm a little bit concerned about the state of the union, so to speak, in terms of you know how unified and how much of a union there is in this whole scene, when people are, I think, you know, people are not spending money on music, so artists are having a hard time making a living. Parties, uh, you know, promoters are sometimes having a bit of a challenge getting people to go out to clubs because it's just so easy. You know, we're hypnotized by so much choice of what we can do in our homes and feel comfort, but we don't really break out some of these barriers that we used to every weekend. Uh, And, you know, we don't have to do it every weekend, of course, but I think there is some value in, you know, going out, being in the same space with people. You know, having a dance. That's there was something cathartic about those events. I think when you and I were were, were going back to them and uh, going to them back then, and I think people do experience that now. But the social media things. Well, it's, it's interesting because what you said I, is almost to me like something different than social media, and that is, um, you know, the availability of the mixes or YouTube videos mm-hmm. where, you know, like you can you can listen to like the amount of music that you can listen to like where for me like it when DJs would come in and be playing a show the availability to hear their set was not really there if I didn't go that's right and so and that's not so much social media as like the internet and enabling like the um, you know the amount of content 
um, to be readily accessible and streamable, mm-hmm. um, which I think maybe is having a different impact than just the social media part. Yeah, I think I think there's there's I think they're both really interlinked, and because you know, of course, stuff gets shared on Facebook, and then people you know go to the SoundCloud page, and they go to YouTube, and so on and so forth. But yeah, just the ease of availability, like you know, the effort that we used to have to go to sometimes to get to these outdoor events, where you know you had to phone, you <laughs> had to point, phone a number, your school bus, <laughs> you know, you get on this bus. Like I remember this one epic party in Japan where uh, DJ Cooney played, you know, he played a ten-hour set uh, in the middle of this forest on a mountain. I have no idea where it was because you know we, we you would go to this club. They were selling the tickets for like three hours at a certain period for like two nights in a row or something like that. Then you'd have to go to this train station in the middle of Ruchusville, Japan, and uh, then they would take you on a bus to this location, and that was it. You know, and that's what you had to do to go, and it was like this unbelievable experience. And of course, you know, you wouldn't want to go through that and have this, you know, have the party suck. But fortunately, they never did uh, those ones that I went to. And um, there I was remember, something. Uh, there was just something. Sorry, that there was just something to that build up towards the event, as well as the event, and then sort of the the follow up after the event. That was sort of like a great track in itself, where there's the, the intro, and then there's the body of the track, and then there's the conclusion, and the, the outro. You know, it was this whole story, and all of that was part of the party. Was the whole lead in and fade out? So, I, I remember some of those. Uh, you know, there's one that stands out. I remember waiting at a. Uh, at a, at a meet point where we were supposed to get shuttled from buses and and there was like there there was tons of people there and the buses weren't coming I don't know if like you know they were trying the cops were like onto it and stuff or whatever it was but it was it, it wasn't working out it was a New Year's thing you know and it's like I think at this point it's either approaching New Year's or it's past New Year's it didn't really matter and um, and they just weren't coming and one, there was happened to be some guy there that I was, I guess, standing close enough to, and he's like, I think I know where it is. Like, he grabs, like, three or four of us, and we jump in a cab and, like, drive off, and then and then at some point got out of the cab and started listening for, like, the beats, because we were close enough, that, and, and which we actually heard and, and made it, like, the, the last leg of it um, with, with, like, random, like, four random people in a cab going just by the sound of, like, the warehouse windows. Wow. Yeah. Right. And then to get there, and you walk in, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then you, you, <laughs> you appreciate everything so much. And I think that's something that's, um, that's really, really needed right now. I think that there, um, I think we have a generation of partygoers who've never paid for music. Um, you know, I've heard the statistics of what gets you a number one side trance hit. Uh, on Beatport, and right. it's a shockingly low number yeah, yeah. of what is a number one best. I've heard that before, not just in the side trance scene, yeah. but in like in trance and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah, it's just and it's and it's sad. And you know the the artists who we who who we love to hear, you know they they need to make a living and they need to make a living at parties as well, which need to be attended. And of course, the promoters need to pay them as well. And so you know, like any business scene, you know, like any business, there's uh, there's a whole realm of you know, how well things get operated. And fortunately, you know, we've got some very talented musicians who have had a harder time uh, making ends meet. And, uh, you know, then that's just the nature of, of life and business and so on. But, um, you know, the parties are still going strong. I mean, there's people who are still going, showing up. And, you know, I was just in Belgium and uh, I played at, an, at a retro event there, middle of September. And there was a couple of people who came from Portugal 
Wow. To go to the party. And other people, you know, was somebody else who came from France. And some, you know, people who were really coming around. And it was in a small town in Belgium. So it wasn't in, right in Brussels. Now, how big, uh, how big would that, is that party? Uh, it was about, this one was about 300 or so. Um, I think it was a bit smaller because it was, you know, mid-September. They, they, these guys were awesome. They wanted to book me after having heard me in Portugal last year. Yeah. And I was going to be in Europe for a wedding, which was going to be the weekend after. And they made the party this weekend so that I, I would be able to play. And it was probably just a little too soon after the post-festival season. So, right. you know, the, maybe a week or two later, some, you know, more people might have shown up. But it was still, I mean, it was still fantastic. But that's I mean, like, I don't know, in, to me, that's like a great sign. Yeah, that's like because that's that's enough people where you've got like a little bit of a crowd there, but it's it's still like it's not so many people. It's enough where it's like you kind of you you get a feel like through the course of the party, you start to even the people that you didn't know, you start to know them even if it's just like through a bit of eye contact across the dance well, floor. The, and this is it. And this is what they aim for. They have they have a that a cap on numbers. And the way they've calculated the space is everybody, it adds up to one meter squared per person to dance, you know? So it's pretty brilliant, which, you know, is really good because in Belgium, there's this sort of pterodactyl arm flap that a lot of them dance with. And I, I at uh, the first ZNA festival I went to in Portugal, I, I got to experience firsthand the power of the hand of the flap in the, in the face in, uh, in Shakta's uh, morning set. Uh, with some very enthusiastic Belgian dancers, but you know, it, it was it was a fantastic vibe, and it's exactly that. You know, people people made friends at that party. You know, yeah. like the, I know this this couple who'd heard me. Um, you know, at ZNA the last two times, and they came. Uh, you know, it was a motivation for them to come to this party because they they like my sets, and we connected online a lot. And they said, you know, we haven't been to a party, so we're going to make the effort. And then they met somebody else from Portugal, and they made some other friends from Belgium. And it was just, you know, it becomes this whole experience. And I don't think. I mean, you can, of course, have wonderful experiences at parties that are like 20,000 people, 30,000, 50,000. I mean, it's just going to be a whole other story, though, yeah. as to whether you're going to have that kind of eye contact on the dance floor and, you know, that accessibility of, you know, I could go out and dance to my own set, you know, and leave the DJ booth. It's not on the stage behind three levels of fences yeah, yeah. and so on, like a rock concert. So, and while there's evolution and, you know, things getting bigger, it does help things reach uh, another, you know, a larger number of people. I mean, I've had a number of uh, musicians tell me how much they enjoy, and these are some of the big, big names from the 90s, how much they enjoy being eye level with the dancers. Yeah. You know, up to 500 people, having, being able to see into their eyes and being able to see what's going on and on the same level. And that's kind of how these Goa parties anyway started. Like the DJ booth was innocuous. It was a user-based experience where everybody's moving around on the dance floor, uh, you know, 360 degrees and sort of like just... Just like, you know, you don't necessarily know which way's up when you're dancing and uh, spinning around. Uh, you know, not knowing which way the DJ booth is or where the sound's coming from. That's kind of the same thing. Yeah. You know, instead of everybody's facing the same direction in this kind of militaristic, you know, now's the time when we dance kind of thing. <laughs> so. the, some of um, some of my, my favorite sort of like time, uh, which would have been in the 90s, I guess, was um, there was sort of a time where... There were some shows that would have maybe a couple thousand people, maybe fifteen hundred, something like that. But um, but they wouldn't stay all night. Like the the majority of them would stay sort of club hours. Yeah. And then they would leave, and so that they, they brought in enough door money, I guess, and ticket money 
to pay for like a decent like audiovisual show, which I've always loved, and I still love.、Mm-hmm. Like even if it's not got the vibey element to it, if it's a big production show with a really like, I love that aspect.、Um, but there was this sweet spot of time where people would come and it, and it would fund that. Mm-hmm. But then, through sort of like the core morning hours of like three a.m. until seven a.m., it would drop down to three to five hundred people that you know、yeah. were sort of clustered at the front, and and sort of the you know that audiovisual sort of aspect had kind of been paid for by the people that left, and it just had this like really sort of、um, you know tight vibe at the. At the end, and that's still a pretty decent size. Absolutely, I mean, for what what you know, I mean, certainly what the psychedelic scene is dealing with now. I mean, in a lot of smaller places, I mean, you're trying to get a hundred people in the door can be tough. Yeah, and、uh, so, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm really mindful of not only wanting to sort of say, oh, it was so much better when I was young, you know, like that kind of that kind of thing, counting back, you know, the decades.、Um, but I think it's we can definitely learn. A little bit, and sort of try to harken back. And this is where, you know, as much as I'm into the retro music as well,、uh, you know, I told you today earlier, I was like, I'm not <laughs> playing a retro set. Actually, I want to pl- play some new music, you know. And I think it's it's a delicate balance because if we go too much to looking back, you know, it's like if you're driving too much looking in the rearview mirror, you know, you risk have you know not really seeing where you're going. So you need to be able to look in the rearview mirror, but you also really need to keep your eyes on the road and really be clear, you know, what direction am I steering in. And I think there is some fantastic music out there, and there are some great parties. And I had like some am- an amazing party with some of the tracks that I'm going to be playing、uh, tonight. That for me, it was just like it felt like it did in the '90s. So I've got like a pretty clear idea of like of what your style is, or or who you are paying attention to, and what you like in the retro side of things. When you're looking at the new school stuff. What what is it that's catchy? How do you find that? Like, is it? Are you? I mean, you're so tapped into、mm-hmm. the actual artists with like personal relationships from the past stuff. How how do you find the new stuff? Do you still? Is it still through you know like the personal connections, or are you actually like combing through Beatport?、Um, it's a bit of both, but it's mostly the personal relationships still. So I do know,、uh, you know, some of the producers, like the long-term producers from the past, who are still producing now. You know, like、uh, Dick Trevor and、uh, Jez from Laughing Buddha, and so on and so forth.、Uh, and then,、um, you know, newer artists as well, like Tron. I've got one of his like mind-blowing tracks、uh, today, Sandman. I actually got a promo of one of his tracks through another connection in Israel, and it's now released, so I can play it.、Um, I couldn't put it. A couple of these tracks I put on、uh, J- our friend、uh, Jesse's mix, the True Hallucinations, but I couldn't put that one out because it wasn't released yet. But、uh, but now it is, and you know, so I have connections in Israel. I've got connections, you know, some of the artists as well. Some of the labels have me on their lists、uh, again through the personal relationships. But I do make a point of looking at Beatport because, again, you know, for me, I will buy some tracks.、Uh, I still think that's important to do, and、um, it's also important for me to go a little bit outside of my comfort zone and try to find something that's you know I wouldn't otherwise maybe come across if it was just through personal、uh, connections. So you know a lot of people are kind of down on the whole you know modern side, dun da da dun da da dun, you know、uh, Lone Ranger kind of <laughs> ga- galloping trance baseline, but.、Um, I think one really has to pay attention to the stuff that's going on above that as well, 
and harmonically i think that was one of the things that i was always paying attention to in the past and i'm still listening to uh you know and back in the day you could hear you could recognize from the chord or some of the sounds you know this is a doof track this is a hallucinogen track this is a total eclipse track like you could tell that and yet the flavor was always different and you have artists like you know martian arts for example like he's got his kind of chord the pleiadians still have their kind of chord um, you know, Coxbox, uh, he's back and he's been at it forever. And Frankie's been producing some absolutely amazing stuff. I've got one of his new tracks here tonight. And, you know, there is that harmonic flavor that they can each bring. And if you just piece things together in the right way, you know, it's like all these different pieces in the jigsaw, all these like the right spices to add something to a mix. Um, but, you know, a lot of, if we just do Beat Porter, if we just sort of go through some of the same labels, it can get samey. So we do, we do need to spread it, spread it out. And we also ideally need to be able to play longer sets than, you know, there's this trend towards yeah. one-hour one <laughs> sets, which is just preposterous. Yeah. Like, you really cannot do the story vibe uh, in the way that... You know, we used to go and there was like the whole night was the story and DJs were playing two, three hours, maybe more. <laughs> Sven Vath playing like <laughs> two days. <laughs> you know? And like I said, Cooney playing eight hours you yeah. know, or ten hours. It was unbelievable. And, you know, I heard Ollie do that. I heard Ollie play four hours as well in London, four hours in Hungary in 99. Um, you know, this was really, really common. And so, you know, one hour, you're looking at like, what, seven tracks, maybe eight? Yeah. You know, you can't actually really do enough in that. And so right now there seems to be this trend towards, you know, let's get as many people on the flyer as possible and, you know, make it like an attractive party. But it's what they're losing is let's actually just get the story of the party happening and get the DJs who are going to create this story. And DJs used to play one right into the other, and they used to mix out of the previous DJ stuff a lot of the time as well. There used to be this this flow. There wasn't the break and the applause between each, yeah, between each I, set. You know, it's it wasn't performance based for the for the DJ. It was I struggle really, with that. Yeah, I know, I know. Me too, me too. It's like, yeah, it's nice to know if they appreciate it. It's nice to get that applause, and then it's also like, yeah, I kind of just want the story to totally. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's tough. So, you know, things change and I don't want to just, you know, again, I, like I said, I don't want to just be like, it used to be so much better. <laughs> but um, but back I think in my day, back in my day you know, <laughs> when we walked uphill both ways to go to the party. <laughs> but uh, but I think that, um, you know, we we might be losing a little something with uh, with this um, with this limiting this the the, the the length of sets and. Uh, again, the online thing. It's one of the reasons why I won't actually post um, in my mixes online. I won't put a lot of unreleased tracks like for the retro stuff because really I think that if people want to hear what I've got and they know that I've got a lot of stuff because of you know my work with Dat Labels and you know Dat Records, the label, and with uh, collecting this music for a long time, they should book me. You know, I should they they should go to the the real event. The promoter should book me. People should make the effort and go to the party. And that's where I'm going to pull out the stops and I'm going to do you know play something that I can't post online because that's the nature of the music. And also out of respect to the artist, you know, the music was was made maybe to to be played, but not to be circulated online for free. There's got to be a supply and demand aspect too, because you know, I mean, if I think back to early days when I was collecting music. Um, it was a lot easier to follow everything that came out. Whereas yeah. now it's like, 
it, there's it's so flooded. Yeah. And trying to stay on top of even like a few labels or whatnot is hard. Let mm-hmm. alone you know I mean it, so you know it, in terms of like you know artists struggling with not that many people buying their tracks. Um, you know, cause I mean, for me, I, when I, you know, when I buy music now, it's like, wow, this is so much cheaper than yeah. when I used to buy it because yeah. it's now it's like, you know, a buck 50 a track compared to, you know, 15 or 16 or 20 bucks a track that it used to be. So it's sort of like, there's no excuse, but, yeah. um, yeah, but there's just a ton of it. I know there's a ton of it. And yet, uh, there's a lot of ho- homogeneity as well. Yeah. And one of the things that, again, I'd like to see break out is, you know, somehow the psychedelic scene used to be one where people could play anything. And there was no sense yet of a style in the early 90s of, like, what this music was. And so, you know, the tempos would shift and they'd play something, you know, like all these different kinds of music. And there was never the concept in Goa of you can't play that until like the mid 90s or a little bit later when people like really got into this particular style and i think we need to be able to break those some of those boundaries a little bit more i'm not sure what it's going to look or sound like but anyway all right man we've like completely talked talked through yeah, my intro cd we have um and now we've got uh yeah i've got some music to sweet play. let's uh play a couple messages here and uh then dj solitaire will be up uh in just a moment you're listening to transcendence on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver.
You have been listening to DJ Solitaire on Transcendence 101.9 FM Vancouver. Stay tuned. We will run down what he played in just a moment. I listened to this. This is one of the songs I listened to on repeat in, I don't know, like 94, 95. Like, such a classic. Yeah, over and over and over and over. It was one of those that was, I mean, it was, you know, the music that was made then. It was, it's interesting because it's, you know, this is all music that was made for in the moment and being new. And, you know, DJs just wanted to play, you know, you wanted to have the latest music that nobody had and you wanted to play something that was new and you'd only play stuff from that season. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and yet the music was—it's it lasted so well. Yeah, a lot of it, and that's what's kind of interesting about this retro scene. You know, the people want it. You know, people who didn't hear this music when it was new, they still love it because they love the energy of creativity that was in the music. And yet, it wasn't really intended to be played beyond that season. And now you have all this music that isn't intended to play beyond this season, but it's—it doesn't have that. Cla- a lot of it doesn't have this classic vibe. I well, like you said, does. like the, a lot of this stuff now can get formulaic right and and this stuff from that time was not it was very um it was just original because they yeah. didn't know what they were doing yet yeah you know especially in the early 90s by as they were getting towards the late 90s you know i i spoke with a couple of musicians on my trip i was in in london recently and you know one of them did say you know yeah in this year you can hear the change in our music because we figured out sort of how we were doing it and until then, we were playing around and really figuring it out, you know, really sort of experimenting and not quite clear on who we were and what we were doing. So it's kind of interesting that that change takes place. But I still think that, you know, like we were we were talking while I was mixing there, and, you know, there's still something like, of course, you know, I'm not going to play music I don't like. All of the new music that I played, I still really like. And yeah. I think that that was all like some really creative music. Absolutely. What did we play? We played, uh, what did you start off with? Uh, what did I start off with? Um, I started off with a new track by Sandman, and he hasn't done, as far as I know, he hasn't done any trance stuff in a long time. It was called Living in the Now, and uh, beautiful analog synth sounds in that. I thought it was just, uh, it was a great, you know, had some really beautiful, bouncy, uplifting uh, vibes in that one. And then a super uplifting one by Xerox, another Israeli project, I believe, uh, Force of Life. Um, with some great, you know, arpeggios and figurations and had that really, you know, that uplifting kind of uh, quality that doesn't, it, for me, it didn't sound dumb. Like a lot of uplifting music I just find can be a little bit, you know, too formulaic harmonically. And this is just like really beautiful and old school, but new. 
Um, then uh, a remix of the track Inverse Gravity by The Predators. It was remixed by Martian Arts and Black Noise. And we were talking sort of during the mix as well about the fact that, you know, like right now in the background we got Man With No Name and, you know, the way you could, you could hear the signature of these artists back then. And Martian Arts is one of those artists for me that I just love to have one of his tracks in each of my mixes because I think he... Um, he, he just, he has his chord, he has his pattern, like he's got his rhythmic sort of, uh, sense, like, uh, I was saying, you know, Jyoti Sidhu from Psychaos always had that syncopated rhythm thing. And, uh, Martian Arts as well, he's just got his unique flavor and you can hear it in every track, but the tracks don't all sound the same at all. And so I just love including him in each of my mixes. And Predators as well is a really, they're a really, unfortunately, relatively unknown Greek project, and I think they're off the charts amazing. Uh, after that, uh, SO5, uh, who's uh, I, I just heard of for the first time. This I year. don't recognize that name at all. Brand, uh, brand new as far as I know, and they've come up with a couple of things on uh, United Beats Records, which is run by uh, Mad Max, who's uh, one half of Mad Tribe with Space Tribe, and uh, that's a track called Human Creation, and I played... Uh, a couple of these tracks I played at my uh, set in June at the Valhalla Outdoor Party, which was uh, just uh, that set really went off the off the hook, and their tracks all like were just bang on fantastic. So that's their uh, new track, um, Human Creation. Uh, then there was a Coxbox track which uh, they'd produced in their new album like a couple of years ago. I think it's two three years ago. Uh, and that was one of my favorite tracks from that album, remixed by Aja, or I'm not sure how you pronounce it, it's Ayar Aja. He's one of the newer artists who I haven't met, and he is, he's really very, very creative and does a variety of styles. There's a track called, uh, We're Not Who We Think We Are. When did, uh, do you know when Coxbox originally formed? Late 80s, early 90s. I mean, they were really early, so they were on the Heart yeah. House label. Uh, and some of their stuff, I think, first came out in 92 or 93, and there's some early mixes of tracks that were on their album. They were really the first, other than Juno Reactor, who people think is kind of like borderline psychedelic trance, not fully, um, even though they are, and they're, they're real sort of genre setters and genre breakers. Um, the Hallucinogen album wasn't the first uh, Goa album. It was Coxbox Forever After. I remember that coming out uh, before the summer of 95 on Heart House. And uh, yeah, they're still... Frankie is still at it. There used to be three members, now it's just down to Frankie. But yeah, some brilliant stuff. So that's a great track. Um, then this absolutely corking track made by Tron with N Theory called Disorderly Tidy. And that had all kinds of pitch-bending madness, and uh, that was one that I played also at this uh, outdoor party in the summer in the place. Just I knew when I got it, um, Patricio Tron uh, sent it to me uh, back then, and I knew, like, okay, this track is going to be it. This is, like, I'm going to build up to this, and I'm sure the place is going to explode, and sure enough, it really did. And then last track is the just-released... Coxbox track Ghost Line. So it's one of Frankie's new productions on the Zero One label. And um, that really hypnotic melody, you sort of, uh, we both sort of did a bit of a double take with that one, right? That sort of really like almost alienish 
sort of harmonic flavor, which I think is, you know, listen to what's going on in the background now, sort of, you know, that was part of the flavor of this music, what was so different. It wasn't just techno where there's no melody or there's nothing like that. There was something they were doing with those lead synths and with the harmonic flavor of the track. And uh, I think Coxbox has always done a great job with that. And that was, you know, what I was trying to do in my selection here was choose some different atmospheric, you know, probably three different kinds of flavors of tracks, but then each one still having some individuality and some different harmonic uh, and melodic elements. Awesome set, man. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me in. And uh, just to reiterate, like, I just want to say, because, you know, we were, we were on a bit of that, like, it's not like it used to be kind of thing. <laughs> and yet, you know, here it is, you know, like, and people criticize, I think, you know, some old school folks do criticize the new music for lack of creativity. But didn't we hear some, like, unbelievably creative music there? I mean, and with some, with some old school atmosphere as well. Well, and that's, I don't know, I've always tried to, um, like, even though it's been like a trance show and transcendence, I've always tried to embrace other genres and mm-hmm. be like open, you know, not sort of be in that sort of like, well, if it's not trance, then it sucks. And yeah. and, I've, and I've tried to do that as well in terms of like the time. And I like, I have favorites from, you know, the 90s and those classic times. And some of that is because of like the emotional connection to the experiences of that time. Yes, um, definitely. But then also like... You know, and, and there's there's more music and wading through the music to try and find like the gold is like hard mm-hmm. because it takes time and but but there is some stuff out there that Super is creative. still just amazing and and across like a broad number of genres where it's like wow that's like that's really cool absolutely absolutely yeah. I mean it was really great hearing Sandman back at it I mean with an absolutely beautiful track and. Uh, Coxbox still at it, you know, and then all these new guys as well, and the way they, they you they interplay and they have their unique flavor, I think it is fantastic. So, and it wasn't all dun da dun da dun baseline. There was a couple of var- variations in there, and even if there is that, beautiful stuff on top of it. So, yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Uh, where thanks can people find me. you online? Uh, DJSolitaire.com. Uh, if you, I spell it with one eye, but if you misspell it, it will forward. I paid for all the ah. websites, and also on Facebook, and you tagged me on your uh, transcendence yep. page as well Um, and if you want to listen to the show again or if you came in part way the podcast uh, will be up uh, should be up probably by tomorrow Um, yeah thanks for coming man it's always a pleasure we gotta like the goal is to have you back before another year passes by we definitely need to do that yeah absolutely man alright thanks so much alright take care